Hello and welcome back for episode 3 of Shutter Podcast. I firstly, of course, just want to thank you so much for tuning in. It means the world to me. It's pretty cool that people are actually listening to my content and it also makes me super happy uh, that people have given me feedback and told me that they've learned a thing or two, even just over the couple of episodes I've done so far. It makes me really excited to continue producing episodes and um, just putting content out there for anyone who gives a shit. <laughs> Alright, let's get into today's case. Today, we are going to be looking a little into the weird world of serial killers and fetishes. In particular, we are going to be looking into the horrific acts carried out by Jeremy Henry Rodos, otherwise known as the Shoe Fetish Slayer. Please note, I want to give a bit of warning on this case. It's pretty graphic and I had to contemplate if I wanted to go ahead and share the details of these crimes. I've obviously decided to go ahead with this one, but you have been warned. The terrors of Brudos were carried out between 1968 and 1969, but his fetish for women's shoes would begin at only the age of five. Brudos would play with stiletto heels that he would find at his local junkyard, and when Brudos was in the first grade, he tried to steal his teacher's shoes. This fetish was not just for shoes, however. Brudos would also try to steal underwear from his female neighbours. Brudos had a tough upbringing. As soon as he was born to his mother Eileen, she despised him. She was hoping that her second child would be a daughter. The fact Brudos was born to be a male proved to cause him a lot of pain. The abuse and neglect Brudos endured as a child would be ingrained in him forever and it would play a large role in who he became later on in his life. There wasn't much detail at all on his father Henry, which makes me think that the potential lack of a father figure paired with his mother's abuse would have only fueled his deep-seated issues towards women. What had started as a fixation or obsession on women's shoes and undergarments soon became something much more sinister. Brudos began stalking and attacking women. Often, Brudos would follow these women home if he liked the shoes that they were wearing. Brudos would sneak into their homes and he would knock these women down, rendering them unconscious so that he could steal their shoes and clothes. On one occasion, when Brudos was only 17 years old, he forced a woman at knife point into his car and then he drove her to a deserted farmhouse. Brudos ordered the girl to completely undress and then photograph the woman and reportedly beat her. Luckily, a couple had stopped at the scene and they managed to notify police before the attack was further carried out. When police questioned Brudos, he claimed that he was actually helping the girl, that she was being attacked by another individual. But both the couple and the police, of course, did not believe this statement and eventually a confession was obtained. Following a search of Brutus's car and house, the police uncovered women's undergarments, photos and photo equipment. Brutus was then charged with assault and battery, 
and he would be sent to Oregon State Psychiatric Hospital for nine months. It was during this time that he would be diagnosed with schizophrenia, following his initial diagnosis of adjustment reaction of adolescence with sexual deviation and fetishism. Despite being in a psychiatric hospital, Rudos was able to attend school during the day and he managed to graduate from high school. Following high school, it's reported that Brutus joined the army. However, this was supposedly short-lived, as his strange fetish became known by others in the army. Brutus also spent time as an electronics technician, and by 22, he was married to a 17-year-old girl named Darcy, who he went on to have two kids with. Brutus opened his door to his first victim in January of 1968. I say opened his door, because he literally did. His first victim was a 19-year-old door-to-door encyclopedia saleswoman named Linda Slauson. What is absolutely shocking about this case is that Brudos managed to lure his victims into his basement as his wife and children were also inside of the house. Once Brudos had her where he wanted her, He knocked her out with a wooden plank and then strangled her to death. Following this, he undressed and then redressed her in female undergarments and shoes that he had previously stolen. But he didn't stop there, no. He went on to arrange Lawson's body in different provocative poses, and then he used a hacksaw to cut off her left foot. Brutus would go on to keep her foot in a freezer, and he would use it to model his collection of high-heeled shoes. He disposed of the rest of Slauson's remains in the Willamette River, which is a river leading off the Columbia River in Portland. Now fast forward only a few short months later to May of 1968, and Brudos is back at it, choosing his next victim. Karen Sprinker was only 18 years old when Brudos abducted her at gunpoint outside of a department store parking lot. Brutus had dressed himself in a woman's clothing for this attack, probably as a disguise, but honestly, I also believe that it was so he could incorporate his fetish into the abduction, making it even more enjoyable for himself. Once abducted, Sprinker was taken to Brutus's basement, where he, of course, made her try on his collection of undergarments and pose for him as he took photographs of her. If only he had stopped himself there, but he didn't. Brudos went on to rape and strangle Sprinker and hanged her by the neck from a pulley. Brudos continued to violate Sprinker, having sex with the body numerous times before then cutting off her breasts so he could make them into plastic moulds. It was at some point after this that Brudos finally decided he had had enough fun out of this victim and so he tied her body to a six-cylinder car engine with a nylon cord and threw it into the Willamette River, like his first victim. The thrill of the kill never seemed to last long for Brudos, which is evident from the short span of his crimes. His third victim was 23-year-old Jan Susan Whitney, a motorist whose car broke down on Interstate 5 between Salem and Albany on the 26th of November 1968. Whitney was probably the most unlucky person in the world on this day, because as she broke down, Brudos would just happen to be driving down the interstate, 
Rodos jumped at the opportunity for his next kill, playing the role of the Good Samaritan by offering Whitney a ride. Whitney accepted the ride home with Rodos, under the exception that she would be able to call a tow truck from there, but Whitney would never make it out of that car alive. Rodos strangled Whitney with a leather strap and then proceeded to rape her post-mortem. Whitney's body was left hanging from a pulley in the basement for several days. During this time, Rodos would dress, photograph and have sex with the corpse. Again, Rodos would cut off the breasts of his victim, only this time he made it into a resin mould and used them as paperweights. The corpse was then tied to a piece of railroad iron and thrown into the Willamette River, along with Slauson's now rotten foot. On the 21st of April, 1969, Brodos went on to attempt the abduction of Sharon Wood, a 24-year-old woman who had just left her secretarial job in Portland to meet her estranged husband who wanted to get a divorce. As Wood entered the basement level of a parking lot, she was approached by Brodos. It's reported that Wood claimed to have felt a presence behind her as she walked through the parking lot, so she attempted to follow any signs of noise in order to be around other people. But Wood never made it to anyone, and in that next moment, she was tapped on the shoulder, only to turn around and be confronted by a pistol between her eyes. Brutus had told Wood not to scream, but of course she was terrified and actually really mad that this random man had put a pistol to her head. I mean, she's already dealing with marital issues. I can only imagine that this was the breaking point on a really shitty time in her life. So, rather than become submissive and following orders, Wood decided to put up a fight. As Wood stepped away from Brodos, she screamed and he grabbed her, putting an arm lock around her throat. Bear in mind, Wood was a lot smaller than Brodos. He outweighed her by almost 100 pounds or 45 kgs. Although I can't vouch for Wood, I imagine the adrenaline brought on by the situation was enough to help her push through and not give up. Wood knew she needed to put up a fight as best she could, because she knew if she didn't, she would die. Wood did manage to kick Bardos with her high heel as she screamed out for someone to hear her. Wood then miraculously was able to grab the pistol, rendering it loose from his grip. Without a weapon, Bardos attempted to silence Wood with his hand only to be bitten hard by Wood, so hard that he bled. Now Brodos was the one in trouble. He had completely lost control of the situation. Despite trying to pull Wood to the ground by her hair, he stood no chance as Wood continued to resist. Brodos managed to smash Wood's head into the concrete ground, leaving her dazed but still able to hear the approaching car. Startled, Brodos grabbed his pistol and he fled the scene. After the police were called by a member of the public, Wood was left to give her victim statement. Despite the intensity of the struggle and the blow to her head, Wood was able to tell the police that her attacker was tall, had blue eyes, and had freckles. Of course, nobody nearby had witnessed a man of this description, and it wouldn't be until later that Wood would make the connection between the shoe fetish slayer and her attacker. Wood would also be the reason for Brudos being more careful in his future attacks. Brutus really wasn't messing around, because on April 22nd, just a day after attempting to abduct Wood, he tried again. 
Gloria Jean Smith was only 15 years old when she was approached by Budos in his car. She was walking home from middle school. Luckily, Smith would see a woman she knew working in her front yard, and before Brodos was able to get Smith into his vehicle, Smith called out to the woman, resulting in Brodos giving up and driving away. Linda Sali was Brodos's final victim. Again, Brodos worked fast. It was only a day after his second attempted abduction when he tried again. Only this time, Brodos had a plan. He had a fake police badge, and he used it alongside his threat to Sali, questioning her against shoplifting. It's reported that Sally did not try to escape. I mean, she thought that this man was a cop. It makes sense that she would want to comply. But once abducted, Brodos tried to strangle Sally with a leather strap, and this is when she fought back. But unfortunately, Brodos overpowered Sally, and he was able to strangle and rape her before sticking wires into her ribcage in order to try and make her dance with an electrical current. Supposedly, this did not work to his satisfaction, and just like the other victims, Rodos used a car transmission and a nylon cord and then discarded the body in the Willamette River. It was May of 1969 when a fisherman found the bodies of Sally and Sprinker in the Willamette River. Police then began interviewing students at Oregon State University in Corvallis in an attempt to gain further information. Some female students reported receiving phone calls from a strange man claiming to be a Vietnam veteran looking for a date. One of the students actually went out on a date with the caller, a heavyset man with light hair and freckles. During their encounter, the man made some reference to the dead woman found in the river and the possibility of taking his date away and strangling her. Police asked her to call them if the man ever tried to call her again and set up a meeting with him at her dorm. After a few days, the man, who turned out to be Brudos, called and agreed to get together with the young woman again. Instead of his date, Brudos found the police waiting for him when he arrived at the dorm. They interviewed him and decided to investigate him further as a possible suspect. With the information provided by the woman he had attempted to abduct, the police were able to get a search warrant for his home. There, they found a wealth of evidence, including nylon rope and Brodos's photos of the victims. It's reported that Brodos had ordered his wife to dispose of all of the woman's garments in the basement, but she didn't do that, and this was a really great move because it solidified a lot of the other evidence that was found. During an interrogation, Brodos finally admitted to the four murders as well as several other assaults and attempted abductions. He was first charged with Sally and Sprinker's murders. Brodos tried to avoid punishment by claiming he was not guilty by reason of insanity. The mental health experts who examined him, however, determined that he was legally sane. Brodos knew what he was doing was wrong and he never showed any sign of remorse for his actions. Brudos eventually pled guilty to the murders of Sally, Sprinker and Whitney. He was never tried for Slauson's murder, however, because no body was found. He received three consecutive life sentences with the possibility of parole. Despite Darcy being brainwashed throughout her marriage to Brudos, she eventually divorced him in 1970 and she left their two children to the state. She has since changed her last name and 
there is rumour that she could have been involved with helping Brodos, but I personally don't believe that. I think if she knew that something was going on, she was too scared to say because she was in such a toxic marriage where she was being completely dominated the whole time. While serving his time in Oregon State Penitentiary, Brodos tried several times to appeal his conviction, but these efforts failed. He died of liver cancer on March 28, 2006, at the Oregon State Penitentiary Infirmary. At the time, Brutus was the longest incarcerated inmate in the history of the Oregon Department of Corrections. that's it for episode three thank you so much for listening if you made it to the end of the episode that's super cool it can't have been that horrific um feel free to subscribe to shutter podcast on spotify or apple podcast depending on what you like to uh, use also feel free to follow shutter podcast on instagram for regular updates and information on upcoming episodes also feel free to message me on Instagram at Shutter Podcast and give me some feedback. All right, I'll see you guys next time.